Welcome to the Story Tinker, a place for in-depth analysis of stories, including Midnight Poppyland, Purple Hyacinth, and more. Co-hosted by sharp, witty, and dare I say, thirsty fans, we dive deep into every episode, analyzing character, relationship development, and plot theories. You can follow the Story Tinker on all podcast platforms and videos of most episodes on YouTube. You can also follow the Story Tinker on Instagram and Facebook. If you'd like weekly bonus content, sneak peeks, and more, you can support the Story Tinker on Patreon. Thanks for listening to The Story Tinker, and let's get started. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 90 of the Purple Hyacinth podcast, Torturous Trap. And today we have Fu and Neff, and they will say hi. Hi, I'm Neff. Um, I've been a fan of Purple Hyacinth since November of last year, I think, and I've been analyzing it um, on a week-to-week basis since and writing theories um, that I am very excited to um, discuss here. Hello, uh, I'm Flute. I've been here a couple times. Uh, hopefully you guys know me and I love theories and discussing them. <laughs> oh yes, this one has a lot. Okay, so let's get started. So Lauren unfolds the note that she received she opens it up and it says, meet me under Lawrence Bridge tomorrow at midnight S. So we know the name of another bridge. That's great. And we now have the, um, they're under the bridge. Lorian is handing Sandman um, the, an envelope. She says, it's the only copy as far as I know. Then they're kind of like, she's in detective mode. She's wearing glasses. Um, she's kind of in disguise, which I find very funny. And she's like handing it over. It's a little bit um, humorous. He opens it up. He says, good. And then he tells her, I found the woman you were looking for. And he says, her name is Elvira Lloyd, 45 years old, living in the 11th district. Pretty unremarkable background, never suspected to be a part of the Phantom Scythe. And Lauren's writing this all down. She's had several jobs as manager and is currently the director of the Glass Factory on Sherbrooke Street in the 11th as well. Elvira Lloyd, yes, she's involved in the, let's let's discuss this one through do these, done these panels. She's involved in the import and dissimulation of nitro in the seventh operation, but I know nothing more for now. So what do we make of this information? Do you think I'm not too familiar with my bombs, but is glass required to make bombs? <laughs> no, no, and I did not think to Google it. Um, why? Because there's, what do you know about glass? Um, I don't know. I just feel like, you know, if you put it in a bomb or something explosive, when it goes off, it's going to send shards everywhere. And that is my very unprofessional opinion on it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, terrorists, like when they do at-home bombs, they usually put stuff in like nails um, to do the most damage. So people do that. Um, yeah. So, uh, oh, I see. Right. Could be. But now we know um, we have like another piece of the puzzle of like the what they're planning. Uh, doesn't sound so great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, I find it interesting that she lives in the eleventh district and that is pointed out because, um, like you say, a lot. You know, she's in Lawrence in the eleventh district. The eleventh district is wealthy, so um, you know who this woman is, what her motivations are. Sure, we'll I'm sure we'll find that out, but mm-hmm. she. If she grew up rich, we don't know, but she's living in a wealthy place right now. Yeah, that was, it's a very interesting thing because, you know, we 
stereotypically sort of think of that the PS would be made of like mainly lower class citizens, but you know, a lot of people being revealed right now <laughs> seem to come from very wealthy areas. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I mean, we don't know her background. And yeah, I mean, I think at this point, because the Phantom Scythe is like kind of the secondary organization in our palace, it just will start to attract people who want power, which is what yeah. Kieran says also, because, you know, they just want to be in on, on the system that, you know, may come rule next. So they're mm -hmm. like, okay, I'm just going to go throw my vote in with these people. They want to, they, they think that the PS will prevail and they want to be in the favor of the leader because they know that they would be the leader's top target. Yeah, but also, or just power hungry people, they just want to be yeah, in power yeah. for whoever's there. Logically, it makes sense for them to work with the PS. They don't have much faith in the government currently, huh? <laughs> <clears throat> so now she asks him, I see, thank you. How are your Phantom Sex uh, files coming along? And when are you thinking of releasing them? And he says, by the end of this month, if I live until then. And I was like, oh, no, I just, you just know he's not going to live until then. And those files will never see the light of day and nobody's going to get brought down and nobody's going to see justice. And it's going to be like such a hand wringing, frustrating thing. We're like, he has the files. And then he's dead. <laughs> Do you agree? I think it might be, honestly, I think he'll die in the process, but Lauren will save the files. Someone's going to save the files in the process. You know, maybe it might be Darcy, but you know, you know, <laughs> you never know. Um, <laughs> I do think I someone's going to save the files and it will end up being something like the Snapdragon pamphlets where they expose a ton of things and it's going to be like, oh dang. And we are approaching the mid-season hiatus right now. So that might be the cliffhanger of the, you know, mid-season hiatus is um, Abel dropping these files. Because time has been speeding up a bit in this chapter. Like, we used to have, like, an average of, like, eight episodes per day. But now we're going, like, a couple days in each chapter. So uh, time is definitely speeding up. And we're not going at the, we're not really going at the same pace as we were in late season one, early season two. I was wondering about um, Salmon's choice of words by saying by the end of the month. Um why would he why I, I was wondering why he would wait that long um why specifically by the end of the month and why not earlier why not later and especially if he thinks that he may not live until then I just found that a little bit odd I think he I, might I, my thinking was that he was still compiling them mm -hmm. the end of the month which was his deadline because he's just yeah. like, you know there's a lot in there, so he's probably trying to sort it, get more, uh, fill in the gaps of anything. So because he needs that much time, it does seem like there is a lot. And this is early January, if I'm correct, because, yeah, this should be around Jan January 3rd, I believe, the second or third, because they're right out of the New Year's party. So it's probably going to be something really big if he needs the entire month to compile it. Mm -hmm. Maybe he has a job also, like a non-Phantom Scythe job, so that he doesn't have time. I, I'm saying that because as a person who works, I'm like, everything has to go, like, okay, around those hours. <laughs> um, anywho, so I find it interest, 
not surprising at all that he's so jaded and so disillusioned um, and very realistic about his life. He's like, I don't know if I'll live. Um, he's not a young person and young people tend to be more optimistic, but he has seen the world and he knows what the Phantom Side is like. And he's like, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to live. Yeah. Um, that's some nice foreshadowing there, F. <laughs> very <laughs> nice foreshadowing. Um, you know, in a lot of stories, especially with when you think of like the hero's arc, the hero's journey, sorry, my bad. The mentor figure uh, kind of gets killed off at one point and Sandman has sort of been stepping up into this sort of mentor figure role. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if he died because it is it is a bit cliche, but it is sort of what is expected in a lot of stories because when the mentor dies, it sends the hero off on their own. And Sandman has been just such a powerhouse of information to Lauren that without him, she is severely weakened in her ability to stop the Phantom Scythe. And it is for that very reason why he has to go. Right. I mean, it wouldn't be the Purple Hyacinth story if we had information. So like, he's got to yeah. go. He can't give us <laughs> any more. So yeah, I know for every new information we get, we just have more questions, which we'll talk about. So she asks him now, are you planning on outing the Purple Hyacinth too? And she pauses while she says it. And she has this, she gives him a look and you know, you can tell what she's thinking about. You know, she cares about Kieran and she's concerned mm-hmm. about his safety. Yeah, but also it, I think she is concerned for her. Like that was my first, or for him, that was my first thought when I saw her say that. Like she's like, oh, like, cause Kieran's going to be, he's going to jail if <laughs> he's outed but I also just realized now that her safety as well would be in danger if the purple hyacinth is outed because she is technically dating him and is a suspect to be loon and some people think that Loon might be working or that one person Loon might be in the BS so it might blow their entire cover like not just the purple hyacinth cover but the loon cover as well Oh, Neff, are you saying something? I can't... Oh, no, I agreed with you. Oh, sorry. I can't really hear you, guys. I'm so sorry. Um, Is this better? Yeah. I agreed with you. I think you put it very well. Uh, I'm so sorry. My audio cut out. Anyway, so Sandman says, um, he says he's not planning on outing him, not for now. He's a precious help to our common goal. And I just wanted to point out like the artwork throughout this whole time. First of all, his his expression is very, very jaded. Um, like his his wrinkles, bags under his eyes. I mean, he, he looks like he's been through a lot. And he's smoking at the same time, um, which is, first of all, a sign that he doesn't care about his health so much or his life. Um, also, it's showing that he maybe needs something to relax himself, him because he's lives under such stress and mm-hmm. also it's a sign of like casualness where he's just able to casually talk about these big things but still be so relaxed because he's so jaded and he's just so he's done like and we'll learn more about why he has that feeling as well yeah he's a not for now at least um a bit scary because he might actually end up you know, exposing Kieran in the future, but just not yet. 
and that would be enough for Lauren to turn on him. So I do think that Sandman is going to fall is going to have a fallout with Lauren somehow. Either he reveals Kieran or he dies. And we have something at the end is also identifying as a, a potential. So he says he's a precious help to our common goal. And then she says, what made you choose this goal exactly? What changed? And it's interesting that he knows that, that he knows that the Purple Hyacinth is working against the leader. Um, you know, he he saw him working together with Lauren, but I don't know mm-hmm. if they, Lauren didn't like tell him what they're doing. So he he's pretty smart. He figured out somehow whether through just observation or through other means that Kieran is working against the leader. Well, what do you think, think of that? He knows that they're Loon, right? I believe so. He knows that yeah. they're Loon and <laughs> it's been all over the papers that Loon has been turning in phantom sites people uh, left, right, and center. So I guess it wasn't too hard to connect the dots that uh, Loon was working against the phantom sites, especially since Loon was working with the police to give the police information. And... He's also just going back to the line, he's a precious help to our common goal. It kind of shows how Lauren and Sandman both view Kieran right now. He's just, he's more of an asset, um, a tool of sorts to help both of them further their own goals. And that is basically what these three characters are doing, Kieran, Lauren, and Sandman. If we boiled it down to like really basic, like take out any feelings, take out any friendships that are growing, just um, burn it down to its pure motivations. These three characters are all competing and they're trying to use the other to complete their motivation and to complete their goal. So I I don't have such a pessimistic view of them. You know, I think that, well, obviously like, you know, in terms of all human interactions, there is some uh, self selfishness, I guess, or utilitarianism, but I do think they, especially Lauren and Kieran, care about each other. Sandman, um, you know, she just got to know basically, but mm-hmm. I mean, it's evident a little bit later on that she does have human feelings towards him. But I mean, I'm not so merc- I don't feel like they're so mercenary. But like, if their motivations at this time and why they are partnering up, it is to yeah. use the others to further their own goals. Like that's true. Karen started this whole thing off like with the deal where they weren't supposed to get personal they weren't supposed to be friends it was just business they were both going to use each other's help to do whatever they needed to do we don't know Karen's motivation but we did know Lauren she basically wanted revenge and to take down the phantom sites because you know they're a terrorist organization and so she knew that she knew she needed Karen's help to achieve that which is why she partnered up with Karen not she didn't she didn't value Kieran as a person. As a person, she valued what Kieran could do for her, and it was basically the same, uh, vice versa. But now, of course, they're they're they have a growing friendship. They care about each other. It's obviously not the same where they left off, but I'd say at this point they are still using each other to further their needs. Like Lauren in the car main arc, she realized that what they couldn't complete what they they couldn't do what they needed to do without the other's help and working solo just wasn't gonna work and now sandman is trying to get in on their partnership because they i guess i don't know i have to reread the circus arc but they're more effective at doing things than he is and at taking down the phantom scythe and he wants to aid them because taking down the phantom scythe is also sort of his goal as well 
or he wants to repent. And after he takes on the phantom side, he wants to go to jail. Okay, I have a slightly different point of view on that. Um, I think an underlying theme that we keep seeing is that on the surface level, even slightly deeper, it's um, the characters have these goals that they're dead set on getting towards. and um, But underneath it, what really triumphs is that they are human underneath it and that they, like, connections are vital to, to the story, to like, their development is hinges on how they interact with each other and the um the fact that Kieran's humanity is so important the fact that um Kieran and Lauren are exploring this extremely gray area of um not necessarily moving on from what happened in episode 43 but um but exploring the area where they can come to an understanding with each other and somehow become comfortable without negating the effects of what happened. So even though that they they have to for, for their own safety and in order to be to accomplish on the very short timeline that they have their goals, they have to um, they still have to at the core of it work together and form a relationship despite everything around them. I agree with yeah. Oh, sorry, Mindy, you go. Let's yeah. Mindy go. <laughs> oh, okay, thank you. Uh, I definitely agree that they do need some sort of relationship to make this work, but I do think that if it came down to it at this point, I think that if they thought it was for the greater good or they thought that um, their goal was finally in reach, I don't think it's completely out of the park that one of them would abandon the other to complete said goal like Jiren especially I think he would I said this before but uh in on the discord I think but I said that Jiren would do the calculations in his head he would think if it came down to it like he could save Lauren's life or he could save the lives of a hundred people if he thought he if he thought that by saving lives of a hundred people, less people would die. He would probably abandon Lauren. However, if he thought that by saving Lauren, he could save the lives of, like I don't know, ten thousand people, he would and leave the other ten to die. I think he would probably pick Lauren, because in the end, Kieran's trying to just, yeah, their sacrifices have to be made, but in the end, will his act? How many people will be saved by his actions? And I think he values that more than his own personal interest. On the flip side, instead of, I see it more as less, less of a personal interest thing, but more as he, what he did to Lauren, that sticks. I feel like we're more likely to make decisions based off of what we feel we owe to people instead of the grand scale. While I see your point there, Kieran is definitely very calculating. I, to a degree, yeah, I mean, not even to a degree, I completely agree with you. He, he will, I mean, he, right now he's killing hundreds of people to achieve his goal of finally reaching a leader. But when it comes to Lauren, I'm not 100% sure he would follow that path still. Not, not to the T. 
Mm-hmm. Both romantic. I think they they both like each other and have personal stuff. But I guess we'll either we'll see or we won't see, or we'll just continue to speculate. So, uh, oh, I, is it all right if I respond to that? Good. Um, so, yeah, Nev, I do agree with you that um, was what a lot of what you said. But I think Karen is just so distant from Lauren, and he is. Like we looked at episode eighty four and he barely tells her anything. Like he just dips from that conversation. And while Lauren has been really open with him, Kieran hasn't really been the same with like what he's doing behind the scenes. And we see the stories from Lauren's perspective. And although it doesn't really seem like it, I would really I would seriously argue that we don't we still don't know really anything about here and, and what he's doing yeah we get like we see some of his personality we see his mat we see the mask that he puts on and we get an idea of his morals but he is I'd say a very ambiguous wild card yeah I and agree on that also, and I think he does value um, the lives of others more than he does his own life or his own personal interests and we see that with the whole you know assassin thing where he is willing to do these terrible things at the cost of his own sort of you know humanity he's willing to do this and to hurt these people himself because he knows that in the end or he at least believes um he believes that in the end, he will be able to do more good than he did harm, and he will be able to save more lives by taking down the Phantom Scythe. But to take down the Phantom Scythe, he has to make these sacrifices. Yeah. And, you know, speaking of all of that and understanding how the Phantom Scythe operates, that's what Sandman is about to discuss. Yeah. And he, <laughs> the perfect lead in, he steps on his cigar and turning away from her, you know, this is something that, again, it's just, he's, putting himself away he says in the fandom site the apostle's specialty is to find any of your weaknesses and use them against you Zeke needed me to steal money and when he dragged me into his shady business he didn't forget i had a daughter to his he didn't forget to mention that i had a daughter to his apostle clara you've seen her only once or twice you probably can't remember so who we just discovered something they were blackmailing him using his daughter that's a Mm -hmm. big deal and now we can have a lot more sympathy for him unfortunately <laughs> I know you. I, mean, I know you said you hated Zaman before, so I'm, I imagine <laughs> your feelings changed a little bit. Yeah, I. So with an F, you are evil geniuses for pulling this card on me. Um, you've made Sandman very sympathetic in my eyes now, and that is unforgivable. I really like characters like Sandman for that reason. <laughs> this story is all about subverting our expectations, and mm-hmm. things are not what they seem. So. Yeah. Kudos to them. And so Lauren says this. She says, Oh, so they use her to blackmail you into doing their dirty work. Now, Sandman takes something out of his pocket. It's a dark blue. Well, we'll see what it is. I, I wasn't sure what it was first. I was like, Is that, is, is he proposing? Is there a ring box? But <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Please, no. And he says, I'm far from being the only one to use this tactic on, which again, not surprising. We know that Kieran was blackmailed. So yeah, they use people's loved ones and get people to do bad things because they're desperate. Mm-hmm. Even before I knew that what the Phantom Scythe was, they already knew everything on me. 
which isn't, you know, they wanted him for a specific reason and they did their research and they targeted him. So what we don't know, was it because of his position in the, um, in the household of uh, Lauren's parents or was it because of something else, right? I mean, like mm-hmm. there's to be another surprise that we just don't know yet. Yeah, I mean, I guess going all this way just to kill two people, I feel like there's something else going on because in assassination, uh, sorry, it's a very elaborate plan what the Phantoms I did with Abel Sandman if it was just to kill the two Sinclairs. And I guess they're apostles, but you know, it just feels a little extra in my eyes. I feel like there could have been easier ways. So there, I do think that there is an ulterior motive behind Sandman. Want to take over? I think it's your turn now for the uh, summary. Oh, sure. Okay. So uh, Lauren says, and you've worked all these years for the fandom sites because of that. Does she know you are alive? And Sandman said, no. It was better if she believed I was dead like everyone else. And I won't lie, that part makes me want to cry because it's been 10 years and his daughter lived with the idea that her father was dead for 10 years when he was alive all this time and she died thinking he was also dead and he had to live with that knowledge knowing that she thought he was dead and knowing that she died thinking he was dead and that is just incredibly tragic it is and it's also telling that he felt it was better that she think he was dead than to know that he was alive and working with the Phantom Scythe. Mm-hmm. He was probably so ashamed of what he was doing that he said, I don't want my daughter to think of me that way. I'd rather her think I'm a good person and innocent and dead than a bad person doing all these bad things. Mm-hmm. It makes me wonder, though. Oh, sorry, Neff. There's a strong parallel with Kira and Nath because um, we saw in a previous episode there was a panel where his shadow was missing from the water and mm-hmm. there was a lot of speculation on it and essentially they're no longer people and they don't necessarily have shadow. I feel like that's symbolic of them no longer being human per se. They're tools, they're killers for the for the mm-hmm. Yeah. There was a lot of debate around that missing shadow. But I think what people were mainly saying around the end was that Kieran had just left because at that point he was walking away. And I guess, you know, the passage time sort of was shown in that, like of him turning around. It's not entirely clear, but that also might have been the case that Kieran just walked away. Um, it's kind of funny though, like we we debated it so much and we discussed it that so much. Be- and then it was just, and then if the actual thing was just, oh, he walked away, <laughs> that would have been I, I don't think so because. Um, it's one panel. It's a very long mm-hmm. panel. So, but the fact that it's one panel uh, to me should, you know, it should be there. But anyway, doesn't matter. <laughs> I don't know. I find it weird because usually when we see Kieran as uh, when he's in his monster fate, or like when he views himself as a monster, we get a reflection from it. Um, like in episode forty-five, and then episode eighty-one, uh, we see that reflection and it, i don't know i just think it's odd that if it if this was the case then a reflection wasn't included there um i guess to the next panel so sandman says clara you know he's breathing out his cigar and 
because I used to take her skipping stones every day. She wanted to learn so badly. <laughs> Kids. I thought it was silly back then, but now I treasure those memories a lot. Para was the only thing I had left. I watched it grow from afar, marry into the noble Grayson family, become a lady. I later realized she had started working as a double agent for the APD too. I wish I could have been there to prevent her. And Lauren says, Grayson, where have I heard about it before? And Finman says, he's staring up to the moon right now. He says, you asked me what changed, well, two months ago on the night of November 13th. We see a flashback to episode one of when Kieran killed Lady Grayson. Um, Salmon says she was assassinated by none other than the Purple Hyacinth. And oh. I think I'm going to pause it there because there's a lot to talk about there. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, my first thought is a bit of an existential crisis because Sandman's what he's saying right now is just so profound and it's this really emotional message of how reminding us that we need to cherish the people we love and we need to spend time with them because you know eventually they'll be gone on that note I was wondering I find it so coincidental that um she was a double agent because her father works for the phantom side so maybe she knew that maybe she had the idea that that was the situation and she was looking for him i was thinking if anything you know she was a good person right and she wanted to do her part to try to take down the phantom side and that maybe mm-hmm. she thought that like those good morals from her dad which would make him you know even more proud of her I think he, I think, he, yeah, that's what I was thinking earlier. It's like, I wonder if Sandman was proud of her in a way, but I also think he was really disappointed in himself because he wasn't able to stop her. And in the end, do, trying to do good ended, it got her dead. And Sandman, he might think that the same will happen to him. And, you know, it, it is a risk here in this story that it is, and we see it with um, Loon as well, that in the pursuit for justice, we must take risks. And although things may not seem great, um, the most important thing is to persist and to keep going, even when things seem bleak. And even though there is so much loss and so much tragedy in the fight for justice, you cannot stop. Yeah, well, very well said. And, you know, what's also like makes the, besides for the, his words being sad, the imagery is also so melancholic because he skips the stones across the river as he's t- telling the story. And then, you know, he says, at, you know, first it goes in the river. And when he gets to the part where he says she was assassinated, the stone settles to the bottom of the river like it's gone it's dead it's drowned it's this beautiful mm-hmm. parallelism in the imagery and the text yeah so finesse they come from my heart every single time um, it's just 
it's so humanizing, I'd say, for this. Because, and that's what Peach does amazingly. They humanize the characters that we are supposed to hate. Like, you know, Kieran just drawing is enough to humanize us. <laughs> Bella stuttering is enough to humanize her for us. And Sandman liking to skip stones with his now deceased daughter is really humanizing and it shows us still that even people we don't like are still people and they have their own lives they have their own things that they're going through and I can't believe I'm saying this but Sandman might be one of my new favorite characters and I'm utterly (laughs) disappointed in myself Life is about change. Boop. You're open-minded. Your heart is open. <laughs> You're <laughs> taking in new information and re- reevaluating your your assessments. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> the weird thing I have to say though is, um, when we started off the series, Lady Grayson's name was Rosa, but now it's Clara. <laughs> I think someone said it, her name might be like Rosa Clara Grayson, <laughs> like. It was her middle name or something, but honestly, I'm not sure. <laughs> it might just be a continuity mistake. You know, there's so many no things going perfect, on. Right? It's probably hard to keep track of. Hmm? Yeah, I mean, the, the, there's a ton of details already, so I'm impressed they haven't made an error before. <laughs> mm-hmm. All the timeline's a little screwed up, but it's a pass. <laughs> it gave us this. It, the timeline may be a little bit messed up, but it gave us the New Year's party, and so it is forgivable. <laughs> but I don't know, like, when Sandman says, like, she wanted to learn so badly, haha, kids, like, he's reminiscing. He was he was a father. He had his daughter, and just thinking about how Sandman played a part in some kids' deaths, too, imagine just imagining the guilt he felt after that because he knew as a parent or he knew as a parent what it was like to lose a child because at that point he had basically lost Clara because she thought she thought he was dead so he had lost her in a sense and knowing he caused the same pain to others and understanding what it felt oh yikes oh Straight for the heartstrings. He explains why he's so jaded now. Mm-hmm. It's just all pushed down. Yep. Okay, uh, next part. So we get another flashback to Lauren in episode one near the end, and she says, Hello, Officer Sinclair here. An emergency. What happened? Oh, she frowns and she says, And then we get a cut to Will trying to comfort the Grayson maid. And he's saying, Miss, please try to stay calm. You're safe now. You did the right thing, calling us right away. Can you tell us what happened? Where is Mrs. Grayson? Um, and then we get the we get the maid's narration again from episode two. Uh, she says, I wanted to make sure everything was all right. But then I saw blood. So much blood. And a limp hand sticking out of the doorframe. And I noticed things. Yes, I remember. We get a cut to, I believe, episode seven, and it's Herman giving the briefing, and he says, good morning to all. As many of you already know, two of our double agents were murdered last night in the 11th precinct. Lauren thinks two people were murdered that night. I chased after the purple hyacinth. Lady Grayson was his daughter, but then, and then Simon says, 
like I've told you from that point on, I had nothing more to lose. Orin says, I'm sorry for your daughter. And then she pauses for a moment and says, you are a strange man, Sandman. You killed my parents, and yet you come back 10 years later to help me in the killer of your daughter. And Sandman says, ironic, isn't it? There is one thing you have to understand about the Phantom Scythe. When you are given an order, even if you don't execute it, someone else will. It is a fate the victims cannot escape. A fate that will be yours too, or that of the people you care about, if you refuse to obey. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I'll just get through this entire thing, I guess. Sorry, yeah. it's a bit long. I should have stopped earlier. And some people are more than happy to carry those orders to completion. Believe me, some others, you know, his flowers made me understand that him and I are two sides of the same coin. Lauren says, what do you mean? And she glances over to him. And Simon looks up to the moon again, and he says, "Do you really think the, the purple hyacinth is leaving his is leaving, leaving flowers next to his victims as a threat to the royals?" And Lauren looks pretty shocked at that, and she says, "No." So, very confirmation on that theory. It was never mm-hmm. confirmed before. Very big brain moment there. <laughs> I can't believe it took us 90 episodes to get confirmation. (laughs) Yeah, what made made me happy to realize that to have Lauren answer no to that, you know, that it, you know, way back in like also episode six, seven, she says to um, Kieran, she says to the the precinct, she's like, what if it's an apology? And they're like, "Eh, no, you know, whatever soul he had is like wiped away. So she thought of that back then. And I'm happy that by now she has enough faith in Kieran and sees enough of him as a person to realize, to think, no, I don't think it's a threat and to realize it's an apology. Sam is just confirming it, but she already was kind of feeling that before. Mm -hmm. I think it's also um, a consequence of how she's been developing. Um, We see that she's thinking a lot less in black and white and she's realizing that people, um, her preconceived ideas of people of groups of people of the way things worked it's it's being taken down and reconstructed into something that will one make her into a better person two help her understand the people she's fighting against which Mm -hmm. may provide a twist for her character in the future whatever that may be Mm -hmm. um i agree true I really like how this topic is brought up in the comic. I mean, it, it is something that uh, the people in fan theories on the PH discords have been talking about for ages, like literally ages, and it feels so good <laughs> to see it in comics. Yeah. But it is just so, it's such a tragic thing. And as we were saying earlier, Kieran is, Kieran is making the sacrifice because he knows that the people will die anyways. So it isn't really worth him. It isn't really worth it for him to just sacrifice his own life in the process because what he is trying to do is to prevent as many deaths as possible. And that means not adding his own to the mix. Because even if he adds his own, like at this point, the people he would he would have assassinated are still gonna end up assassinated. So, you know, adding one person isn't isn't ideal 
and he now he knows that there are ways for him to take down the phantom scythe and he's getting um, kind of close to it uh, he has Lauren now and although their relationship is kind of rocky they have made significant progress and so Kieran is such a valued chess piece at this point that um, you know it's just strategy for him to not uh, die because you know in the end he will save more lives Yeah, it's funny. My, um, I talk about webtoons with my husband a lot. And, um, you know, I, I simp over Kieran and Tora from the other one. And Tora's in the mafia and has done bad stuff. And Kieran's an assassin and has done bad stuff. And he's always joking with me. And he's like, you know, how could you like them? They're terrible people. And I'm like, but you have to understand. And like, I, you know, could tell him all this. And he's like, it doesn't matter. You know, he'll, he'll just joke because, you know, it's fun for him. But yeah, this, this chapter does a lot to help us sympathize even more with, with Kieran, with, with Abel and just how they're pushed against the wall. Mm-hmm. It's, um, sorry, go ahead. Sorry. The, it's the fate the victims cannot escape. Although it, could, it, although it is obviously referring to um, the, you know, assassinated victims, I do think it could be also referring to like Sandman and Kieran because they are also victims of this Air Force to do these terrible things because if not people they care about will get hurt or they themselves will get hurt or just you know for the greater good they have to do terrible things and it just you know it also like the question do the uh where you guys stance on like if the means justify the end like i don't know where you guys stand on that but it is a very important sort of philosophy i guess word is that the right word it's a very important Current mindset for this comic it is do the means justify the ends well you know both my husband and i say like we would in terms of ourselves like we would rather get killed than kill other people um you know we would just die but it's 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 not the same thing when you have it like would our would, would we sacrifice our children for example i mean we have two kids like it's not the same thing so yeah it's tough <laughs> so um, do you want to continue now from here? I think it's around 25. Um, sure, just a moment. Um, I actually lost my place here. Can you remind me which, um, which um, yeah. speech, speech box were we at? Sorry, we ended on, uh, we ended on with Lauren saying no. After a salmon asked her, like, if she thought that the flowers were a threat to the royals. Yeah, she's about to ask him um, a question. Okay. Um, so at this point, um, Abel says, well then, and he throws his cigar down. Lauren says, wait, I'm not done yet. There's something else I meant to ask you. Um Abel's face there, I'm not sure if it's a neutral face, but I don't know if he wants to get out of there as soon as possible. Um, What was Robin Delaney doing in the car with you? That day, Delaney's role was to retrieve someone someone for the apostle, Abel said. And um, that is 
really good information there. Mm-hmm. He said, I never knew Look. why. Don't know what happened after either, just that Delaney was killed. The apostle wanted the kid to be brought to him. The other was collateral damage. Oh, boy. Lauren is now um, on high alert. Um, she said, collateral damage. What do you? And from the distance, um, Lauren sees a sniper. And here we see her um, jump on instinct to save his life and push him out of the way. Um, now let's first discuss this before we get into that. Um, oh boy, more information. And notice his their body language. Um, you know, he stops, right? And is she the one that's, it says tense. Is it about Abel? Or is it about Lauren? <laughs> Both. Mm. But because he inhales afterwards, he's like, it seems like he knows this is loaded information and that, especially for Lauren, and I feel like he's for sure hiding things. And Mm -hmm. yeah, I feel like he knows this is a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. He also is choosing his words very carefully that like he's hesitating like that day. Delaney's role was to dot, 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 retrieve someone for the apostle. It's very, he's, that moment retrieve someone for the apostle is, you know, very built up to, and it's very, it's a slow moment up to that. So I would, I definitely agree with you. It's very loaded for Lauren. And it does make me think what, if it was the kid that Stanman knew in the car and there are theories that Rosenthal is an apostle or is the leader, is it Dylan and is the apostle Rosenthal? And he doesn't say which apostle, he just says the apostle wanted the kid to be brought to him. And it's interesting, right? He says the apostle, not the leader, right? So it's mm-hmm. it's different than like we usually know about the leader giving orders, but now it's the apostle. So oh my gosh, what what who when where why? I think it might be apostle seven, because that is the main apostle right now. Mm-hmm. For like, and they were talking about like the nitroglycerin earlier. So like the apostle is most likely, if I had to like bet on it, I would probably guess. Apostle Seven. So, like, you know, maybe Rosenthal isn't the leader himself, <laughs> but he might be Apostle Seven, and that's basically mm-hmm. the same threat level. I am going to be suspicious of Soap and F, and I'm like, maybe they're saying the Apostle because it's like Apostle One or Apostle Three, and they're just going to mm-hmm. throw us again for another loop, <laughs> put us down one direction, and then we'll come to the, you know see that as something else. So. I always am very suspicious of them <laughs> and their plans. But yeah, so kid one was wanted, kid two, collateral damage. Um, and it seems like, I guess there's two. Like maybe there's, yeah. we could still say there's more, but as of now, it seems like there was two. I had a bit of an, it's a bit of a little bit, it's a little bit out of left field, but I had a theory on, um, the Sinclair's deaths and the um and the kidnapping. I was I was wondering if Lauren was the intended um kidnappy, if you will, and if since she wasn't there at the time, um maybe Dylan was the one to take instead, and the other one was to serve. Um, you, you you remember from the beginning how there was a man on the pole with the um, words covered on his chest? 
So that would be one symbol and then there's another. And I thought it would be somewhat fitting if um, that symbol, one is a man and one is a kid. Mm. No one really escapes from it. And I think that fits what the phantom site is kind of trying to send as the message. I was thinking that about Lauren, um, we, we knew that there was an, some sort of disagreement between the Sinclairs who are apostles and we also don't know if they acted as one apostle or two. I wonder if mm. they acted as two or if others also a married couple who acted as two um, or as one entity. Oh. And oh. I was thinking that maybe uh, you know, as a tactic to get the Sinclairs to um, cooperate completely with the leaders, um, they would take Lauren and that would ensure cooperation. But since that didn't happen, the only alternative was to eliminate them entirely. I think, I mean, I, I think I looked at the way he phrased his words, honestly, like it's so ambiguous that that theory could still hold true because he could be saying, he said that day with Delaney's role was to retrieve someone for the apostle. I don't know why. And then he wanted the kid. He could be saying that. And like, yeah, the someone who we wanted to retrieve maybe wasn't even retrieved. Yeah, his words are ambiguous enough to support that. Wait, okay, sorry. I just got like a kind of, it's a medium theory, but Sam hesitates again when he says the other was collateral damage. So I'm like, we could go back. Um, Wow. Karen doesn't know Sandman, right? What? I don't think, I don't think, yeah, sorry, Karen doesn't know Sake. So I'm thinking Karen probably wasn't in the car at that point. So he probably wasn't the one the apostle wanted, but it is, it is likely maybe he just never saw Sake and Dylan was collateral damage. But I am, I'm willing to bet that Dylan might have been collateral damage in that. The apostle that the kid, the the kid, or sorry, the kid that the apostle wanted was actually Bella or Kieran, one of the two, who were like escaping. And then apostle, the apostle would have been Redcliffe. And hmm. so Bella had sort of escaped or something. And then she was brought back oh. by them. And Dylan being Dylan probably noticed that she was injured, maybe burned, like she had some burn marks because, you know, Hestia is fire and stuff. So Dylan noticed that she had, you know, burn marks and injuries and he was like, hey, let me help you. And um, then Bella got, you know, kidnapped again because she had like been trying to run away. And then Dylan got kidnapped as well because he wouldn't like let go so they're just like you know what let's take him and then we you know get rid of him later and so uh yeah doing was collateral damage that was just a small theory i had right then just definitely sorry that was i just rambled through that i'm so sorry well i mean you know we could say maybe it was darcy who was kidnapped right she wanted to escape just like last time so maybe yeah i was thinking i was like you know made a connection i'm not 100 percent sure about this about delaney and kieran if he was the kidnapped kid um it would be where um delaney might have regretted kidnapping kieran and you remember the torture scenes where I, i'm pretty sure i i 
kind of took from that that it was kind of a brainwashing method where um, you're broken down, then you're built back up into what the Phantom Sides wants you to be. And maybe Delaney, who was the reason he was exposed to that to begin with, um, maybe took pity on him and kind of interfered with that process where, on the other hand, you see Bella, who is seemingly a lot more comfortable with killing and doing the Phantom Sides dirty work. Um, and maybe that is why Delaney had to die. Maybe that's why Kieran killed him and why Kieran also values humanity so much because it, it really is what saved him. Mm-hmm. So I love how like we could come up with so many different theories and they could all be correct. Like we just, the more answers we get, the more questions we get. And this is just, the mystery just gets deeper and deeper and deeper. <laughs> Probably though. I will say, I'm so sorry about this, Neff, but one of my biggest questions when it comes to the Kieran killed uh, Delaney theory is that I don't think Kieran would have been old enough at the time because it is heavily implied that Delaney was killed um, between the time of the Allendale Translation tragedy and the Sinclair's death. So like somewhere in those like about two weeks, uh, he was needed and Kieran would have been 14 at the time and we know that he was only uh he was only the purple high since starting at age 17 so there would have been like three years of three years difference so I don't know if the timeline doesn't really make sense for me um I am so sorry I have to do something just for one second um I'm Uh, going to meet myself just for one second so sorry okay okay so I guess I'll continue for for now okay Unless you have more more theories. <laughs> um, where were we? Uh, hmm. I'm not sure, but I'm pretty sure Dylan was one of those kids. Uh, I'd give it like a 60-40 thing over like which one he was here. Because like, you know, Rosenthal would be such a great reveal for an apostle. So I'd love it if it was Rosenthal who's the apostle. And in, he was trying to get Dylan safe. Because, you know, like, he also sent Lauren and Dylan out right before the explosion, which is very sus of him. Like, maybe he was trying to protect them. But he also told them uh, he'll buy them cheesecake afterwards, and that wasn't a lie. So I was mm-hmm. like, what? Yeah, that made me think. I was thinking anyway. about about that. I uh, Yeah, that's such a good point. Oh, um, <laughs> I was thinking that, like, maybe in the far, far future when Rosenthal is like, you know, on top of the world, he'll invite Lauren for cheesecake and they'll discuss stuff and she'll be like, why did you do it? And he'll be like, the world is a better place now. And she's like, why did you do it? She's like, you for cheesecake appearing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's like, I did it for the greater good. And she just throws his cheesecake at his face. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess let's look out for cheesecake and then look for Mr. Rosenthal mm-hmm. around. Yeah, I guess it seems like cheesecake is a very big thing in our tallest since Kieran also <laughs> likes it a lot. You mentioned it? Really? I don't remember that. Where did you mention I think it? so. I think, oh God, I'm not sure, but I think he might have been eating cheesecake at the cafe in like oh, episode okay. one. I'll go look it, it up. It was somewhere. <laughs> I know it was somewhere because like we had a cheesecake emote on the old PH server okay. and it was specifically because of Kieran. <laughs> okay. I'll look it up. Well, that might be a connection. 
Anywho, I want to try to finish this in the next few minutes. So we see a car coming around the bend and Lauren yells, watch out. There's a bang. She rushes towards Sandman. Another bang. Her hat is <laughs> punched through by a bullet. And it kind of looks like a supersonic gun, but whatever. She throws herself on Sandman. They land on the floor. Sandman has pretty good reflexes. He takes out his gun immediately and just deadpan expression, no emotion, shoots at the assassin who was sent ostensibly to kill him. Gets him in the head. Boom, he's down. Wow. Good action. A very clean shot. Uh-huh. Really he's skilled. Oh, hi. Thank you. Um, it does sort of remind me, honestly, this moment. It reminds me of when Sake died. Mm. Because yeah. Lauren was actually able to stop it this time. And I think I wouldn't be surprised if she thought of Sake back then in that moment. No, no but it doesn't show it for us, but like, you know. Uh Samman just killed the dude, the assassin. <laughs> so like you know, I think Lauren's still a bit on edge around Sandman, but again, uh, she needs him for information, and he's been dumping a lot of it. So, I you have a very like um, pessimistic view of these characters. I'm like, I, I just see it as Lauren being uh, a savior kind of person who's just her natural instinct is to save people, and without yeah, even necessarily thinking like with sake. Like, if she would have thought about sake back then, I don't know if she would have like wanted to save him but she's just so compelled to try to help people mm-hmm. i think it's a mix i don't know with ph i'm just gonna assume the worst so when the worst happens i'm not gonna be disappointed or surprised yeah. but I yeah i think it's definitely that. a mix because you know uh, there's a lot of motivation behind what each of the characters does a lot of it is emotional a lot of it is just rational so it, it was just generally in Lauren's better interest to save Sandman. men. I was wondering if Lauren was starting to get accustomed to watching people die in front of her. Um, and maybe that it might be very subtle foreshadowing. I'm not sure for what, obviously, but I was, because like you said about sake, because she had a very strong reaction to that, but, and it's not even the first time she's watched someone die in front of her she's she's seen Kieran kill she's I mean when one of them she was covered in her blood splat in their blood splatter and but now she's not even really phased so I think that's Mm -hmm. another form of development that she's undergoing yeah it's it reminds me of what what Kieran said in the last episode Uh, I don't really remember the exact thing but uh it was like Kim and Will discussing the three murders of the of the of those nobles and uh him was like it'd be enough to like surprise anyone and kieran was like oh yeah definitely and it was a lie kieran has seen so much that it's just you know he isn't phased by it and this is what we're seeing with lauren now mm-hmm. also um, just the gunshot like the bullet being so close to lauren's head in that one panel it gives me so much anxiety help the guy who killed her parents right i mean she's also so uh, instinctively helpful and also has come to understand sam in just in this short time to feel differently about him 
mm-hmm. it, it's kind of like Lauren is um I don't think she necessarily forgives Sin, but you kind of see um, what Kim said to Will about forgiveness. You can kind of see it here where um, Lauren is so willing to push that aside to save lives. I don't completely trust Sandman yet, but this is another great example of um, just this habit of Lauren where that's I've said this so many times it might as well be my catchphrase but the best way to manipulate Lauren is to be truthful with her that's how you get her to do the things you want oh 100 percent yeah very true does he I wonder if he knows he probably does yeah he's pretty smart living in that household he must have he probably figured it out Mm -hmm. oh no my phone died Oh, never mind. It just turned off. <gasps> that was a scare. Okay, anyway, sorry, I'm back. <laughs> well, Beth, do you want to um, continue? Sure. Um, which panel did we leave off on again? I'm so sorry. Was, uh, what the hell was that? Oh, okay. Um, a hitman. They're already on my back. But Lauren says, and Abel cuts in, we must never be seen together. Leave. I'll take care of the body. Leave. So Lauren does go, and that is the last we see of them. And I was wondering if that meant that that they are actually going to meet up again, if that's the last they're going to be seen together, or, I mean, they, they do have more, they have unresolved business. So I was wondering if they're going to have to get very creative and what exactly that would look like. But after this, we go to Kieran's place and we see files on the oh. table um, and just before we do that for a second did you guys feel think like when I saw this first of all it reminded me of when Kieran yelled at at her to leave at the circus after someone had just been killed mm-hmm. and oh. Oh, yeah, yeah and also, <laughs> also I feel this is just like typical purple highest and frustration she's about to get some more information here's a guy who has information who can help her and she can't once again she has to leave before she gets more information it's like ah! watch him actually die before they meet again <laughs> that would be so unfortunate for her um, mm-hmm. life is just not easy for her to get what she wants yeah, sorry. So, so honestly, sorry. I won't lie. I do hope we get a scene where Lauren actually saves herself because we've had Kieran save her a bajillion times and now we have Abel saving her. Yeah, she did save Abel, but now he's telling her to leave and it's basically on parallel to the time that Kieran saved her at the circus after Bella uh, sliced fake. So I do hope that, you know, third time's a charm. Next time <laughs> someone gets brutally murdered, Lauren isn't the one leaving. <laughs> Maybe somebody's about to also get brutally murdered. You can continue that because we, <laughs> we have we have something that maybe it really suits. So right now we switch to Karen's place and he's on the couch um, reading a book and we see again his classic shirt, except it's black this time. <laughs> and we see behind him a door and underneath the door an envelope is slipped to him and Kieran catches notice and picks it up. 
and we see the phantom switch symbol on it. And that is the end. <laughs> Look, that so panel, that panel, like that first panel with Kieran in that black shirt of like his normal shirt, <laughs> he looked great in it. But I must say, I could hear the Kieran Simps screaming when I saw that <laughs> panel. They were hollering in my ear. If Bella can do it, Kieran can rock it too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I am a big fan. Yes, <laughs> indeed. <laughs> I am a Kieran Simp all the way. He is too young for me. I will say he is too young. I, I would rather go with Doc and Tristan because they're more my age. But um, but yes, enjoying it. <laughs> yeah, so guys, what does it say on the note? <laughs> well, we have... I actually had a small theory on it, but I'm not 100% sure. Wait, what's on it? Or... Well, yeah, what, what's your, what's your theory? Um, it's somewhat related to it. I was, I'm sorry, give me a moment. Um, okay, so it's less about the note itself, though I, I could have sworn I did write down a note about it because I did have some thoughts on it. Um, my theory more about the episode as a whole, though I think it did come from this. Um, so basically, the, the Phantom Sides knows where Kieran lives, and even though he it's stated that he's never brought anyone home except Lauren, and I feel like this is a direct threat since Kieran's mission was to eliminate Loon as soon as possible, but he hasn't done that yet. And my immediate thought is, how long is soon, considering he's deep undercover in enemy territory? Mm -hmm. like you really can't get more into enemy territory than that. So I was wondering if he's expected to fake his death, and if so, if there's a chance that someone might recognize him within the city, but if he doesn't leave. So I think this because of sake, where less than 24 hours after he came back, Lauren recognized him and, well, caught him. So is he expected to fake his death or not? Um, and I, I think he might because of the overseas contact we keep hearing about, this, the nitroglycerin suppliers. I don't remember which episode it is, but we see a lie where Kieran says he hasn't been overseas before. So that oh. means the opposite, that he has been overseas. No, he said he was overseas. That yeah. wasn't a lie. I think the overseas contact was supposed to be sake. Mm. Wait, no, but wait, what? It was sake, I think. Yeah, It was confirmed in was... the like farming episodes or something. Yes, or I think it was, no, I think it was maybe confirmed in the recap. Sometime around then, sometime between episode 40 and episode 60, it was said that Sake was the overseas con contact. Well, no, it's not just him because there's nitroglycerin shipments still coming from there. And I'm wondering why, politically speaking, why um, a foreign nation would, or some foreign entity would assist a domestic terrorist group. But that's really what the Phantom Sides is at this point. To probably yeah, annex Autolis. Right? That's my guess. You know, yeah. this is, you know, it's, it's kind of based off like Victorian times and 
uh, like ph and you know in our victorian times in our modern in our current or in our real world colonialism was still a thing and people were still fighting so i can definitely see some four nations trying to uh definitely take over our tallis and the monarchy is so weak that i wouldn't be surprised now that i think about it if Elizabeth was a princess from a neighboring um from a neighboring kingdom in that with oh. said kingdom now working with the pins of scythe and they're that's, all working together to take over Artalis. And so that's I, why Philip is a puppet leader to Elizabeth. Yes. I have voiced my, my own, one and only theory pretty much is that I think I somehow think Elizabeth is fan of sight. So I like that. Mm-hmm. That works in. That, that makes sense. And Elizabeth's whole attitude towards the poor only fuels the phantom scythe, making them stronger. So mm-hmm. now that I think about it, she's manipulative. Yeah, I, things are connecting, like things are being a little more connected than we thought. I gathered some more evidence about why this, why the forward and combat discrimination will be a little, will be more relevant later. So basically, Raphael, this encompasses all the characters. So for Will, his brother left, Raphael left, but at this moment in time, though I think that's going to change, especially with as he develops his relationship with Kim and becomes more himself. Um, right now, Will is too traumatized and has such a strict self-discipline that to consider even leaving for himself because his mother is ill, but she doesn't have much longer and he doesn't want to cause the same harm that his brother did. And Mira wants to escape. But Bella, who's a Phantom Scythe member involved with the overseas contact can also assist with that if that's the case. I mean, where Wait. else would you want to? Yeah. Sorry, Neff, I'm confused. Oh, yeah. The overseas contact that Bella was, sorry, the overseas contact that Bella was um, in contact with was fake. Was there another one that I missed? I think. I mean, I don't remember the details exactly, but I'm pretty sure it's not just Zeke there because Zeke is kind of like, he was there to, as a spokesman on the side of Arliss, but then you have that place and they have their own side of things and, you know, they're the ones sending the shipments over. It's they no, but on their end too. The shipments were being finalized, right? They yeah. They were already coming in. They had everything set. It was the shipments are supposed to arrive February 14th, which is why Stake was killed because he no longer had use to the operation anymore. Right, but right, but it's still that. Um, there hasn't been any other like party involved. There hasn't yeah, been a specific yeah. supplier involved that's been mentioned so far. And while it is likely that there most likely is one, it does seem that the Phantom Scythe is just operating out of other countries. I also assume yes, that it was a black so, market so. purchase. I don't. Yeah, I don't. I would assume too. it's not an overhand purchase. I would assume it's underhand. Oh yeah, definitely not legal at all. So, I don't think they're. I guess I can't really see there being another overseas contact because I'd guess that the people supplying the nitro are just more of an entity rather than one person. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was trying to. Oh. Okay, sorry, I misunderstood. It's not just one person. It's like sorry, I'm so person. sorry, I misunderstood. Oh, 
so yeah, I was thinking that whatever that entity is, um, they might be more relevant later. I'm not a hundred percent sold on it yet because I mean we haven't seen any hints toward them really being a thing or being relevant. But the fact that Mera wants to leave and Bella, who was contact, is also associated with Mera and Will also just a lot about leaving here. And Lauren herself is in danger. On all, everyone on all sides has eyes on her. And Kieran too. I feel like he's going to be backed into a corner where at some point he's going to have to pick up and go. I don't know how involved Nera is in this or how well because like she did seem like she wanted to escape but I'm not entirely sure if she's Phantom Scythe yet and although it is likely I think if she was Phantom Scythe she probably would have had an easier time looking for Bella and Bella's been more involved in the Apostle 7's operation in the past couple years which is during the time frame where Nera did not know where Bella was or what she was doing yeah, so I'm not saying that Nera's phantom side, but the fact that she knows Bella and knows that she has um, exposed that, I mean, there's a reason, there must be a reason why she searched so, so hard for Bella. So I'm assuming it might be because she has, um, so that Bella has associations with the overseas contact. Oh, but it doesn't really seem like Bella wants to leave anytime soon. It's mainly Darcy who wants to escape. Yeah. Oh, I don't know if Bella wants to leave. It seems like Bella's pretty content where she is. Yeah, she's making like she bank. Really more goals than gathering wealth mm-hmm. at the moment, at least. Right. Okay. So, what do you what do you think is on the the note? And let's let's finish up with this because um, it's an hour and fifteen minutes. So. Mm-hmm. yeah so what do, you, what do you guys think is on the note oh and I just want to say also I'm like so sad I was sad when I saw that phantom scythe note go under his, his um door because you know a home is a person's sanctuary and his safe place and he is not safe in his home and you know we were wondering like why does he have a cave and a house and maybe the cave is the only one that's actually hidden from the phantom scythe and the place where he feels safer I just felt so bad for him that his he's not even safe in his own bed Mm-hmm. I think the probably and also probably the most popular theories about this are he's either ordered to kill Sandman or he is ordered to kill Lauren. And you know, him being ordered to kill Lauren would just parallel so nicely to 50 episodes ago when he was ordered to kill Loon. And that must be great for Lauren. Oh, God. I hope. Lauren finally like talks a little bit more to Kieran I mean like to tell him okay you may be in danger uh it's you know somebody knows who we are somebody has seen us together I mean you know the phantom type is after this person Uh, I I mean like there's just so much communication that has to happen and there's that's just not on both of their sides Mm -hmm. I want Kieran to talk to Lauren like like he's still hiding more stuff and it does seem that Lauren's been more open with him (laughs) Then Kieran has to her. Yeah. And, but also, uh, regarding the Kieran being ordered to kill Lauren theory, this may be also a test for Kieran because if the Phantom Scythe knows where he lives, then 
And we have that quote, the Phantom Scythe has eyes and ears everywhere. They've probably seen the two times that Kieran has brought Lauren to his house, or that Lauren know. has just been at his house. I don't know if the letter was to kill Lauren, because it would kind of go a little bit against um, Kieran and Bella's conversation, where it was really implied that Kieran was um, kind of using her for information that would kind of get, also it, it, it would get in the way of his investigation with Lynn, I think. Um, mm -hmm. This is workplace. Also, if he does get the order to kill Lauren by herself, then his workplace will be even harder to be a spy in, I think. But with Sandman here and how he has such a limited amount of time, one hitman already failed, calling calling in the best assassin, or at least one rank higher, seems to be pretty logical. Yeah, that's what I think too. And I think it also it wouldn't it be Lauren because Lauren seems to have been protected from someone within the Vandom site until now. So I would think that it would be not Lauren. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I completely forgot about the protecting part. Yeah, it's probably Sandman. Poor Sandman. Chris's daughter is gone by the by the beach, and now it's going to be him. Oh, well, he seemed to live to be at a fairly oh, crap. age, so he's lucky. Oh crap! Hmm? Oh no! Wait, did Lauren tell Kieran about Sandman yet? Yeah, she mentioned. Um, she didn't say that she was kidnapped. She just said that the driver um, was Sandman in the car, right? She on the bridge, and his eyes widened when she said Sandman, which is why I think that Kieran may have been in the car because or no salmon in some capacity because he was like this when she said okay, it. Okay, okay. Because I, I mentioned the parallels, like if it if the letter was for Lauren, but if the letter was for salmon, there's also some pretty big parallels there to the Onslow case and what happened with that. Uh, yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. So, yeah. Lauren better make it very clear that she needs salmon right now. <laughs> if not, we're, we might get a repeat of the infamous episode. Oh boy. Well, yeah, oh, maybe. Can't wait for that. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens next week. <laughs> yeah. If we get any answers, yeah. or if we have to wait for another couple of weeks. <laughs> Either way, we'll be on our toes and we'll still have questions and no answers. So, yay. <laughs> well, thank you so, so much for coming on and for doing this. It's been a great time as usual. Mm -hmm. It was so fun. Yeah. So many good theories. So yep. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for hosting. Yep. And I'll see y'all soon next week. We'll see. <laughs> try to get try to get some sleep tonight, Mindy. Okay. Good night. Good night. Good night. Thank you so much to my current patrons, Susie, Lady Libris, Alley Cat. Lily, Jenny, Haley, One and Only Taco, Elizabeth, Maria, Molly, Veronica, Emily, Emily, Joe Rochelle, Dahlia, Saucy Tuckles, Meg, Anne Rose, Priya, and Stephanie. Your support is truly appreciated.